This is Wednesday, April 7th, and today we're continuing talking about the higher Christian life, especially talking about how to maintain the Christian life. And today we're especially going to deal with a few areas in which the war with doubt is lost. There are some promises made in Scripture that we have to believe in order to maintain this life that God has given us. One of them is found in Jude 24. And here's what God says. He says that he is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Today, we're going to talk about three truths that have to be believed in order for you to experience the permanent abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, maintaining this higher Christian life and trusting him to truly keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before his presence and glory with exceeding joy. It's very important that we get our mind around this and we embrace this. It's all based on faith. So let's go ahead and get started, shall we? As we have shared previously, the ability to maintain the higher Christian life is found in exactly the same way that we originally obtained the higher Christian life. And that is simply by faith. It's not by works. It's not by struggling. It's not by white knuckling it to do things you're supposed to do and not do things you're not supposed to do. And oh, what a wretched man that I am. It's believing God for his promises, trusting him, resting in him, abiding in him, surrendering to him and let him work out his life in us. We have to understand also, and we talked about this on Sunday, that in the same way that we confessed our sins and it led to instant forgiveness, we find that in 1 John 1, 9, that our confession also leads, listen very carefully, to instant and immediate cleansing from all unrighteousness or sanctification. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, something we do, he is faithful and just, an attribute of God, to forgive us our sins, and we all know that's instantaneous, and also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that also instantaneous? In our heart, we don't think so, but the Scripture teaches that it is. So when we confess our sins— when we receive forgiveness, we also receive instant sanctification, so it truly is a new beginning. It truly is starting with no baggage, confessing, being forgiven, being declared righteous, being empowered by the Holy Spirit so we can move forward. But listen carefully, for this promise in 1 John 1, 9 to become a living reality in you, it has to be believed by faith. Faith must make this a bedrock conviction of yours. Now, unfortunately, many of us only believe this truth during our close times with the Lord, during our high times with the Lord, until we wake up the next morning and we find out that we don't feel as close to him as we did before, and we wonder what happened. I mean, last night we surrendered our life to Jesus, we confessed our sins, I received forgiveness, I experienced a spiritual renewal, and I went to bed with a smile on my face, closer to God than I ever have been, then I woke up this early morning, and it all seems like a distant memory. It seems to have faded. I mean, how did that happen? In effect, 
what we're saying to God is, hey, I know you're powerful, and I know you can do anything that you want to do, and I know you can keep me from stumbling, and you can persevere sanctification in my life because your word says that you became that for me, but I'm not sure that you will. I I, I know that you can. I, I just don't think you will, at least not for me. And when we develop that mindset, and trust me, it is so easy to do, the war with doubt is lost. I mean, in doing so, we impugn the character of God by viewing him as someone who is miserly with what he has promised to give his children abundantly, like Ebenezer Scrooge. Or, or, or maybe, maybe he's not like that. Or maybe he shows favoritism, like some abusive, narcissistic father who loves some of his children more than others and wants everybody to know that. I mean, why would we assume such hurtful things about our Lord? It usually happens because we start relying on our feelings and not what we know to be true about God. When our emotional feelings begin to fade, and they often will, we are then torn between believing what he promises in his word, what we know is true, or what we're feeling at the moment, the voice that's screaming louder in our ear. And we're struggling with these two, faith or feelings. I mean, which one is true? I mean, what happens when my faith falters and I now believe what I see and feel and touch and not what I know to be true? I experienced this peace and this serenity and the assurance that God accepted my gift of myself to him as a sacrifice. And when those feelings, those sense of serenity and peace begins to fade, how do I restore that? What am I supposed to think and what am I supposed to do? Was it supposed to be permanent or was it designed to be fleeting like an early morning dew? Is there something I did, and here's where the guilt comes, or I didn't do to make it fade away? I mean, is this what the higher Christian life is really like? Up and down and forward and backward and close to him today, and then we're distant cousins tomorrow? Is that all there is to this abundant life that Jesus promised? Or is there something I'm missing? Yes, there is something we're missing. I want you to firmly understand that the experience of the higher Christian life can be permanent, not fleeting. As a matter of fact, it should be permanent. And from scripture, it is expected and designed to be permanent. And if it's not permanent, it's often because we're clueless about how to maintain our intimacy and our passion and our fervency with him. So today, we're just going to look briefly, and I will develop these in more detail over the next couple days. We're going to look at three simple truths that are vital. I cannot emphasize that enough. They are vital, of profound importance to believe in order to help you experience the permanent residing joy of learning how to abide, to rest, to dwell, to live, to make your permanent home in him. And we learn these as we learn how to maintain the higher Christian life. Think about it. When we claim that God is able, and we'll quote Jude 24 here, to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, now, let's make it personal. 
when we claim that God is able to keep me from stumbling and present me faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, and then throw the disclaimer in there, um, but uh, I, I just don't think he will. I, I know he's able, but I just don't think he will. We are displaying the very opposite of abiding faith. In fact, we're blaming God for our failures and disappointments, and we're literally calling him a liar. Think that through. That's right. He promised to deliver, and he didn't. That makes him a liar. Or maybe he kept his promise to others. There are other people out there that are experiencing something I'm not, so he must love them more, but he didn't keep his promise to me, and again, that makes him a liar. And to call God a liar places every aspect of your life on very shaky ground. So as a foreshadowing of what is to come later on this week, let me quickly share with you these three truths you must believe to experience the continued, and that's the key word, continued blessings of the higher Christian life. And these truths we're talking about speak to the very character of God, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his dependability. And again, our faith is in his promises and his ability to complete the good work that he has started in each of us, knowing that he won't rest until we are, as it says in Colossians 2.10, complete in him. So let me just give you these three, and we'll talk more about them tomorrow. Number one, you must, categorically must believe God is able That means he possesses the power and the ability to keep you from falling or faltering in your life of holiness. He is able to present you faultless. He is able to keep you holy. He is able to complete the work he began in you. You must settle in your mind once and for all that with God, nothing is impossible. Not just in their life or in some missionary's life are in the Apostle Paul's life, but in your life. Nothing is impossible with God. And this is especially true of him being able to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from faltering, to keep you from falling away from holiness. Yes, even you. Number two, you must remove from your mind, and I mean banish it, eradicate it from your being, all doubt and fear that he is not willing to keep you from stumbling. We know that he is able, point one, but that he is also willing to do that. Of course he's willing. I mean, that's what a good God does. Why would he not be willing? What kind of God or what kind of man or father gives his child a command, but then doesn't give him the means to obey that command? In the same way, God gave us a command to be holy, for I am holy, to be holy like me, 1 Peter 1.16. And then we assume he will not give us the means to obey that command? Again, why do we impugn his character so much? Why do we speak so hurtful about him? Last one, number three, you must learn to commit yourself in total dependence to the Lord for safe keeping. It is his job to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy and not yours. 
It is his job. It is not your job to struggle and fight and and pray more and read more and witness more and go to church more and and try to force yourself to think good thoughts and throw these things out of your life and, and make it all about you. It's not your job to present you faultless. It is his job. His job. Think about it. He is not only willing to bring you across the finish line, but he is also able to carry you across the finish line if you can't make it on your own, if necessary. So we must learn to trust him to finish what he began in us for his glory, no matter how we feel at any particular moment in time. Remember, whatever the need, he can. And if he can, as a good father, he will. Today, just think on these three truths Meditate on those. See where you're at in your own faith towards them. And we'll begin talking more about those tomorrow. I hope you have a great Wednesday, and I'll talk with you then.